0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Strong Man's Gospel podcast. This is Brad Tuttle. We are going to be talking to the men out there today and challenging men and encouraging men and and doing what we can to instigate men to be the men of God that they have truly been called to be. We're going to title this podcast today Men of Strong Courage and Faith in God and i start this off by asking the question what type of men are needed today and we're going to look at numbers 13 and numbers 14 to get an answer to this question because i realize finding real men amongst the many many boys in today's america is not an easy feat you know there once was a time when men used to be real men when they dressed like men when they had certain honor code That they followed involved treating not only their elders correctly and each other with respect, but also women. And unfortunately, those days are far gone. They seem to be a thing of the past. What we have now is, to be quite honest, I'm not sure. There are, of course, certain men out there who still have their affairs in order, but they are few in number from what I've seen. What people are most often subject to is the company of boys who are refusing to man up, boys who prefer to play with their toys than to do their part in bettering society, the human race and the world as a whole. And these poor excuses for men have the bodies of adults and the mentalities as well as the social outlook of toddlers. And so the real attack today is on men. The real fight is an attack on men and masculinity that has been launched by the radical progressive left, because we all know a totalitarian society, and that's where this is all trying to go, a totalitarian society can only survive if the male population has been neutered, emasculated, and disenfranchised. And with this, what we call a natural fortification against tyranny removed, the elite then can centralize power and pursue collectivist tyranny unopposed. And that's what they're trying to do. Get rid of the men. Get rid of the uh, last resemblance of what men should be. And so we're seeing this change from uh, an even attack on masculinity and just actually being a man. So we, we need to learn today what type of men are needed And we're going to, again, it'll be in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. As we go into Numbers chapter 13, now we're coming into this whole aspect of God promising the promised land to Israel. And God's promise for the promised land was Israel's title deed. God's promise was the title deed to the land, as well as his guarantee that they would defeat their enemies. He made it a promise that they would defeat their enemies. God's promise was all Israel needed. But, the nation doubted God's word and began to walk by sight instead of by faith. And they took their wavering step of doubt when they asked Moses to let them search out the land before the entire nation went in to engage the enemy in battle. Moses endorsed their request, got permission from the Lord to carry out the plan. However, it appears that God was letting the Jews have their own way not because their way was the right way, but because he wanted to teach them a lesson. They needed to learn to trust the word of God and do the will of God his way and not their own way. You can see that in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. So in chapter 13, verse 1, it starts off by saying, then the Lord spoke to Moses. So apparently, you know, God spoke in response to the people's request. Remember, um, so let's go on. Verse two, it says, send out." God is saying, send out men for yourself to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm going to give the sons of Israel. You shall send a man from each of their father's tribes, everyone a leader among them. So God had already told them that he would give them the land. That was his word. That was his promise. So why did they have to check it out first? Again, sadly, once again, God gave the people what they wanted, which was to check out the land, but as it would play out, this would would reveal to the people what their hearts were really like. God had already told them many times what Canaan was like, what nations were, were there, and how he would defeat their enemies and give them their promised inheritance. So what need was there for men to go in and spy out the land? So sad to say, human nature prefers to walk by sight and not by faith. So again, their failure begins with the choosing of the spies. This was not God's perfect or original plan. The idea for the spies going first was not God's. It was the idea of the people. Listen, faith, takes God's word and needs no other evidence. They did not need to send spies to go in there first. God had already in his word, gave them his word that they would have the promised land. So the spies, when they did go in and they, when what they did find was they discovered the land was indeed all that God had promised it to be, of course. Listen, We as men need to come to a place in our lives when we commit our way to Him without reservation, totally trusting in His trustworthy promises, having absolute surrender, and living in wholehearted obedience. Which I'm going to, then He goes on to say, which I'm going to give to the sons of Israel. So this was God's promise, but men still had to take responsibility in order to realize the promise. This principle permeates the passages from Genesis to Revelation. God's promises are laid hold of by faith and genuine faith obeys. They should have just gone on the promise of God and gone in and taken the land because God, I'm going to drive this home, God had already made the promise. God's promises are laid hold of by faith and genuine faith obeys. And don't misread the words of Yahweh here. He does not say, which I might give to the sons of Israel, but he says, I am going to give to the sons of Israel. This was his promise to them. So let me come into Numbers 13, chapter verse 3. It says, So Moses sent them from the wilderness at Paran at the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the sons of Israel. So, you know, he's sending out the leaders of each of the tribes. And you would think that would absolutely assure success of the mission, but it did not prove to be true. He sent out these 12 spies, Shemua, Shaphat, Caleb, Egal, Joshua, Palti, Gadiel, Gadi, Amiel, Sether, Nabi, and Giul. He sent them all out. And in verse 16, it says, these are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. And then we read in verses 17 through 26, where the word of God tells us in 17 through 26, says, Then Moses sent them out to spy the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, fewer men." many. Remember, they didn't even need to do this in the first place. God had already promised them the land, but he was giving them what they wanted to do. It, verse 19, Whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps, or strongholds whether the land is rich or poor and whether there are forests there or not be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land now the time was the season of the first grapes so they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of zin as far as rehab near the entrance of hamath and they went up through the south and came to hebron the descendants of anak were there then they came to the valley of Escol, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between them, the two of them, on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. So these grapes were so big, this cluster of grapes was so big they had to uh, put it on a you know there, it was attached to a pole, and other and two men, one on each end, had to had to carry that 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 um, cluster of grapes was that big. Think about that. And it says, and they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. And verse 26 says, now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. So get this, what's going on. They go in there and they see, I mean, there was fruit there, clusters of grapes that were so big, two men had to carry it on a pole. They bring it back to them, and they show everybody, they show the rest of the people there, they show them the grapes. And in verse 27, it says, so they reported to him and said, we came into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, And this is its fruit. So they're giving them this incredible visual of the beauty of the land and the fruit of the land. What they should have said was there, though, we came into the land that you are giving us. They're already starting off on the wrong foot. They said, we come into the land where you sent us. They should have said, we came from the land that you are giving us because he did. He already promised. And that's the problem that we have in general in the church is that people don't hold on to God's promises but we're looking this at this from a men's perspective we need men who are willing to follow God's word so the spies proclaimed just like God said it is flowing with milk and honey well the evidence was on their shoulders these huge grape clusters but they carried unbelief in their hearts In verses 28 and 29, it says, and here comes the key word after they just showed them these grapes, probably got everybody excited, and then comes this great word of doubt and faithlessness. They said, in the version I'm reading out of, it says, nevertheless, the people, now now they're giving the negative report. They show them the fruit, but they go, nevertheless, no matter how great this fruit looks, nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And indeed, we saw the descendants of Anak there. These were giant men. Verse 29, Amalek is living in the land of Negev. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country, and the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. Remember, God already told them, I'm going to give you the land. In other words, he's going to make them victorious over all of them. They see the grace, but they come back and they start off with this bad report. That word nevertheless, in other words, despite all the positive aspects, despite the fact that what they saw about the goodness of the land was exactly what Yahweh had promised it would be like, nevertheless is a strong term of contrast in this context. Yes, the land is fruitful, but it is fortified. It is fruitful, but impregnable according to their natural human logic. Listen, if our mind is not renewed by God's word, man, we begin to think worldly thoughts. I just got a text from someone who needed prayer because he he said, "I, I so badly need my mind renewed, but I just don't have the drive to spend time in the word and prayer. Well, that's the key to it. You've got to be, we need men who are, who are men who are saturated in prayer. We need men who are men who are full of the Holy Ghost. We need men who are men who are men of the word and they, and they, they seek the face of God. They've got a heart that's hungry after the things of God. Again, if our mind is not renewed by God's word, we begin to think worldly thoughts. And that's what they came back with. Worldly thoughts. We need men today, young men, older men, who take God's word to heart and follow it out in faith, not cowardly, faithless men. So God's word had already given them a sure promise, but they either forgot God's word or despised God's word, which is always a dangerous place to be. Nevertheless, they were saying, there are really big guys in the land and the walls of the cities are 20 feet thick and 25 feet high. Their problem is they are fearful and disobedient. Ten spies emphasized the obstacles instead of the opportunities and concluded that Israel was too weak to conquer the enemy. God had already promised them and given them his word that they could take the land. They do nothing but present an obstacle not opportunities and from what they saw and all their human logic and all their little thinking they concluded that they were too weak to conquer the enemy what about david put david in here as an example when david was dealing with the, the goliath the giant and all the other members all the other soldiers were afraid to go to battle with goliath david disregarded all that fear talk from the other soldiers and he a teenager manned up, ran toward the giant with a stone and a sling, no fear, because he was operating in faith in God's word that the giant would be his to defeat. That's what we need to be, men who trust God's word. Proverbs 28.1 says, the wicked flee when no one is pursuing, but the righteous are bold as a lion. We need men today who in their righteousness are bold as a lion, not effeminate men, not emasculated men, but men who are men who live a righteous life before God and who do what they're called to do by God boldly as a lion. Hallelujah. Now we need to hear, now we're going to hear from what the real men say. As we go into verse 30, again, a righteous man who's bold as a lion, listen to what Caleb has to say in verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will certainly prevail over it. Man, that's the kind of men that we need today. When every other man out there is living in disobedience, living in a way of not. Uh, standing on God's word, not trusting God's word, not being led by God's word. They live a fearful life and all the things that are going on around them and the news and the politics. Oh my goodness. And men aren't going to church. Women go to church more than men and men are falling by the wayside. We need some men to stand up and be like this and say, we should by all means go up and take possession of it for we will certainly prevail over it. That's true leadership. He did not condition his appeal to the sentiments of the people. Now we hear again from these faithless, cowardly men in verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him or with Caleb said, remember, Caleb just said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it for we will certainly prevail over it. These guys then rebut that and say, we are not able to go up against the people because they are too strong for us what a difference of thinking what a difference of mindset here wow what kind of man i ask you this, what kind of man are you what kind of men does this nation need right now what kind of men does your wife and your kids need they need men they need husbands this nation needs men who are of the same spirit of Caleb who who look at the problem but they don't look at the problem they look at the opportunity to let God do what God promised he would do. They don't look at the obstacle. They look at the opportunity to let God fulfill his promise through them. We need men of courage, righteous men, men who have faith in God and faith in his word. And again, now we hear from the faithless, cowardly men as we read read verses 32 and 33. It says this, So they brought a bad report of the land, which they had spied out to the sons of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. Look at all the exaggeration here, just because of fear. And all the people whom we saw in it are people of great stature. We also saw the Nephilim there, the sons of Anak, who are part of the Nephilim. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight so we were in their sight. This is what struck the fear in the hearts of these people was this statement, I believe, about we are like grasshoppers in our own sight. This came in in thrust into this whole thing was this, I'll call it grasshopper mentality. The grasshopper mentality always begins with a low estimate of ourselves. Those big people in Canaan did not say to those spies, Hey, you little fellows, you look like grasshoppers to us. The grasshopper mentality was their self-concept motivated by fear and no faith in God's promise to them. No wonder God got so angry with them. The report of the 10 spies was evil because it exaggerated the dangers in the land it sought to stir up and instill fear and doubt in the people of Israel, which it did. And most importantly, it expressed their faithless attitude toward God and his promises. And some, their bad report spread the leaven of discouragement through the tribes. The bad report of the faithless 10 was not just a bad report about the land, but was a bad report about the Lord, who through Moses had said, the Lord has promised good concerning Israel in Numbers 10, 29. Caleb says, we can win. The other 10 men said, no, we can't. We are not able. They brought an evil report, which means they uttered slander. The people ended up hating the promised land. And we can see that in Psalms 106, 24, where it says, then they despised the pleasant land. They did not believe in his word. That's a reference to what's going on in Numbers 13 and 14. So I ask again, which type of man are you? What type of man does this nation need? What type of man does your wife need? Does your kids need? Your kids need a man who stands in courage in the face of adversity, your kids need a father, a man in the house, who is a man who takes them to church, who is a man who leads them in prayer, who is a man that leads them by a godly example, who is a man who shows that a righteous man is bold as a lion. That's the kind of man, the kind of husband, the kind of father, your children, need, and that's the kind of men that this nation needs. We're, again, we're churning out these uh, feminine men, and masculinity is being attacked to where men now are cowering underneath all that and not standing up and being the men that God has called them to be. So I say again, men of courage, righteous men, men who have faith in God, in his word, that's what this nation needs. That's what you need to be. If only they had looked by faith to God, they would have seen the one who was able to conquer every enemy and who sees the nations of the world as grasshoppers? Isaiah 40, 22. We are not able is the cry of unbelief, but our God is able is the affirmation of faith. And for every man out there, I ask you, what is your battle cry? We are not able or God is able? Because if you trust, in God, you can then do mighty exploits in him. We need men who will stand up and be men, men of prayer, men of the word, men who trust in the word of God, men who follow the word of God, who live according to the word of God and know that God has promised them this and that. And when God's promised it, they know that it's going to come to pass. Wow. Hebrews 11:6 6 says, without, without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who seek him. Doubting Christian men see the problems and obstacles and wander about restlessly, blind to their blessings. You don't want to be a doubting, faithless Christian man. You need to be a man who's got a backbone. You need to be a man who stands up in the face of whatever is happening and says, no, I'm not going to go along with the crowd. You need to show your kids No, we're not going to be bullied. We're not going to go along with the crowd. We're not going to be pushed around by the government. We're not going to be pushed around by this group or that group. We're going to stand up for the word of God. We're going to stand up strong and be courageous for the word of God and for Christ and be men that make a difference because of the way we live our lives for Jesus. Now we come into Numbers chapter 14, reading verses 1 through 4. Listen to this. This is crazy. Then all the congregation raised their voices and cried out. And the people wept that night. And all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the entire congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or even if we had died in this wilderness. So why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? What a bunch of pansies? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder." Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let's appoint a leader and return to Egypt. What a bunch of babies. What a bunch of sissies, man. What a bunch of men who have no faith in God. Faithless, cowardly men who act like little girls because they can't stand up for what they know is right. Stand up in, in strength and power in the Word of God, and they're weeping all night long. In Exodus 15, We see that Israel was singing in great victory, but here they're weeping in defeat. They'd forgotten their song. There they had their eye on God, and so faith sang. Here they looked at the giants, and so unbelief wept. So you look at the word then where it says, then all the congregation raised their voice. Then, when is then? Again, I believe when the people heard the grasshopper description. That was too much for them. And all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the use of all in the word congregation emphasizes that the entire camp was overcome by grief and tears. They wailed all night long. Two million people. Wailing. They're not just whimpering, but they're wailing because they got a bad report from these two faithless guys. And then all of those who are among them, none of them joined into Caleb and Joshua's account of what's going on. They all listened to the bad report, and they're all a bunch of fearful, cowardly men. Man, can you imagine? Their children saw them like this. Their wives saw them like this, weeping and wailing all night long. Oh my goodness, we can never do it. Yet God had promised them everything, and the promised land was theirs, and they were going to conquer it for sure. These words from these 10 were like spiritual poison to the souls of all the rest. Man, let me give you a note here. Be wary of speaking discouraging words to others. Then we come in chapter 14 and verses 6 and 9. Now the real men speak, and this is what real men of courage and faith in God say and believe. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephna, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. Whenever you hear that term, tore their clothes, it was a sign of mourning, grief, and distress at the people's great sin, because that was great sin. There was disbelief, there was disobedience to the word of God. And verse 7 says, And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. None of them listened to that. None of them got inspired by these words of great courage and faithfulness in the word of god that's what real men do they stand up and speak encourage and faith in god and they say what needs to be said listen these guys these two stood up and said this land is ours we do not need to be fearful we do not need to in any way um, disregard what god has called us to uh, if the lord delights on us he said then he will bring us into this land and give it to us a land which flows with milk and honey. Caleb and Joshua were a minority on a search committee, yet they did not give in. Even when the nation turned against them and their lives were in danger, we're going to see that in a little bit, they had faith in God, they knew God's will for the people, and they stood their ground. Listen, it is not important that we please others, but it is important that we please God. It doesn't matter what other people think. If you know what you know to be true, if you're standing on the promises of God, if you're standing on God and God's word, listen, it doesn't matter what anybody else says, but it only matters that we please God. And we will always please God when we follow his commands and his word. Like Caleb and Joshua, sometimes we're We must suffer because of the sins of others, but in the end, God will vindicate those who trust in Him, and we're going to see that in a minute with them. I want to make a note on this uh, phrase, milk and honey. Uh, Milk and honey are symbols of the wealth of the land, second only to bread. Milk was a sign of such abundance. Because of the climate, the milk would thicken quickly and become curds, eaten with bread or turned into butter. So the, And the honey mentioned here is the wild honey. It signified sweetness or the finer things of life. And that's what they saw. It's a land of milk and honey. That's what that description is. But none of them, none of them grabbed a hold of those such encouraging words. All they did was weep and wail and fear and discouragement and disobedience. And in verse 10 says, the response of the crowds the faithless ones. It says, and all the congregation said to stone them with stones. That's the response of cowards. That's the response of faithless ones. And the congregation said to them to stone them. All the congregation said to stone them with stones, but they stood. This obstinate multitude that grew more violent with opposing is ready to return them stones for their prayers. But they stood in the midst of this. God brought them through and God gave them his promise. Hallelujah. You know, and then we see in verses 11 through 28 in chapter 14, where God, we see he, now he gets angry. He wants to wipe them out. Moses says, don't, you know, he says, you know, give them a break. Pardon the iniquity of the people. I pray according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt, even until now. And then God concedes to him. He says, um, So God conceits to him and says, okay, you know, I'll do that again this time. But then in verse 29, it says, The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above. Whoo, man. God got so disgusted with the fact that these people had seen his glory and the signs which he did in Egypt and in the wilderness and they have put him to the test these 10 times and they have not heeded his voice and he says they certainly shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers nor shall any of those who rejected me see it but again in 29 it says the carcasses of you have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness all of you who are numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above the new living translation says you will all drop dead in the wilderness the irony of this is is that israel had feared all along falling dead at the hands of their enemies but now they're going to fall dead at the hand of god who is in a sense right now their enemy for they have repeatedly spurned and rejected his kindnesses and his covenant promises and according to the number of days which they spied out the land, which was forty days. For every day you shall bear your guilt a year, even for forty years. Whew. Verse thirty, though, says this, and this is what this is the reward of the, cur- of the men of courage, of the, of, the, of the men of faith, of the men who trust in God's word. Verse thirty says, except for Caleb and Joshua. The rest of you shall no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. And again, another translation says, "You will not enter and occupy the land I swore to give." You will not enter and occupy the land I swore to give you. This was a sworn promise of the Lord. He rejected it. He says, "So now you're not going to enter and occupy it." The only exceptions will be Caleb and Joshua. Whoo, man! What type of men are needed today? Men of courage, righteous men, men who have faith in God and, and in his word. I heard a story, I read a story many years ago when the legendary Newt Rockne, the famous coach, was coach at Notre Dame. The Irish were facing a critical football game against a vastly superior Southern California team. During the week before the game, Rockne recruited every big brawny student in the entire student body to suit up for this particular game. Not to play, but just to run out onto the field with the team and to sit on the bench. (laughs) Get where it's going here, right? On the day of the game, Southern Cal came out on the field first. Then, At the very last minute, here come Notre Dame. 150 huge players came rumbling onto the field. The Southern Cal team stopped their warm-ups and just stared at this assembly of green giants. New Rotney had psyched them out. Though the USC coach told his team that only 11 men could play at a time, the damage had been done. USC lost not because Notre Dame was better, but because Southern Cal had been intimidated. (laughs) Hallelujah. Listen, when your fears are large, and you doubt the sufficiency of your primary resource, which is God, you are a grasshopper for sure. This nation, your family, does not need more men with a grasshopper mentality. It does not need more men who cower in fear. You, I could pull out so many stories of great men who accomplished great exploits because they were willing to look at the crowd and say, no, we're not going to go that direction. We're going to go this direction. And the direction they went, they found victory. So many examples in the word of God of those who said, no, I am not going to go that way. I'm going to go the way God wants me to go. My family's going to go the way God wants us to go. Which always ends in victory because God lays out his promises for us in his word. What type of men are needed today? Men of courage. Righteous men. Not sinful men. Not men in church who play around with sin, who are locked into porn, who are locked into all these things. You got to get rid of that stuff. You got to get free of that stuff. Man up. Get free of that like Joseph did. Run from it. Flee from it. And live your life as a righteous man. Men who have faith in God and in God's word. The way to overcome the grasshopper mentality is to remember who you are, whose you are, and where your power comes from. So I ask you, men, who are you? Well, you're an awesome creation of Almighty God made in His image. Men, whose are you? If you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, you are an adopted child of God, having been ransomed through the sacrificial death of Jesus on a cross. And I ask men, where does your power come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit planted in your heart when you first trusted in Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. We need more men baptized in the power of the Holy Ghost. We need more men who pray in the Spirit and seek the things of God. We need more men who are so, look at Peter, so filled up with the Holy Spirit, went from being a cowardly man, denying Christ, to then standing up once he got baptized on the Holy Spirit, standing up in front of the people, man, and preaching the word of God right smack dab in their face. In the midst of all those who didn't want to hear it, he spoke it anyway. Guess what happened? People got saved and filled with the Spirit. Paul reminds us as God-fearing righteous men that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love. And of self-control. Second Timothy 1.7 So I close with this. What type of men? What type of man are you? Are you part of the ten? Are you a Caleb or a Joshua? Do you see the obstacles? Or do you see the opportunities? Are you a man of prayer? Or are you a faithless man? Are you a man of the word of God who stands on God's promises in all boldness as a lion? Or are you a man of disobedience? What type of men are needed today? Men of courage, righteous men. Men who have faith in God and in his word. Men, man up and be the man that God has called you to be know who you are, know whose you are, and know what you've been called to do. If you are a Christian man, someone who says, I have confessed Jesus as the Lord of my life, then you have every opportunity in the power of the Holy Spirit to rise up and be just like Peter and stand in the face of adversity, stand in the face of persecution that's coming to this nation now, It's going to need men who trust in the word and the promises of God. Be that man. And if you're listening to this today and you don't know Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior of your life, or if I asked you this question, if you died today, where would you spend eternity? And you could not absolutely answer that it would be in heaven, then you need Jesus today. You need to trust and confess Christ as a Lord and Savior of your life. Why? because you were born a sinner, and without Jesus, you're lost. You're a sinner lost and separated from God the Father. And the only way to that to be rectified is when God sent His only begotten Son to die upon a cross for you, And that if you choose to live for Him and live in Him and serve Him, you can have eternal life. So if you're out there and you don't know Jesus, it's as simple as this. Right now, I want you to repent of your sins. Say it out loud say, Jesus, I repent today of my sin. I choose to go the exact opposite direction of where my life is going now. That's what repentance means, a 180 turn. And Jesus, I'm going to follow you. And then I want you to say, Jesus, I believe in you, and I believe in what you did on the cross for me, and I believe you risen from the dead. Say it out loud. I believe in what you did on the cross for me, and I believe you rose from the dead. And now I want you to confess from your mouth The Bible says, whosoever shall confess from their mouth that Jesus is Lord, that they shall be saved. You've repented. You've believed. Now confess out loud that Jesus is the Lord and the Savior of your life. If you did that and it was heartfelt, you are now a born again man of God. In Your journey into living for God and fulfilling God's destiny for your life has just begun. Today, is a new day for you. You have become a new creation in Christ. Everything uh, everything is old. All things are gone behind you and everything in your life has become new. You've put off the old man and you put on the new man. And now it's time for you to take this journey and live for God. Like, I mean, just live all out for Christ. Amen if you're not, and you prayed that prayer, let me know. Contact me. Let me know. I got saved through this podcast. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. If you're a man that has made a new commitment, I'm going to pray for you guys now. For every one of you that says, you know what, Brad? I need to make a new commitment about this right now. I have not lived the way I should have lived. I have not been living like I should have been living for God. I admit I've been cowardly. I've been faithless. I've not been standing up. on standing on God's word. I've not been a man of prayer. I've not been a man of the spirit. If that's you, repent right now. Confess it before the Lord. If you're a Christian man, just confess it. Say, Jesus, I I, I confess my sin of disobedience. I confess my sin of faithlessness. I confess my sin of fear of, 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 of you know, opposition or fear of the obstacles. And today, Jesus, I commit to you my life again. I commit my life afresh to you again today. I recommit my life to be the man of God you've called me to be. I recommit my life to live all out for you, Christ. I recommit my life to be a man of prayer, who abides in the presence of God, to be a man of the word and who takes God's word as his promise. I choose to be that kind of man today. And I thank you, Jesus, that I'm never looking back again. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So praise God. Some of you recommitted. Some of you may have gotten saved. But today, either way, is a new beginning. Start living your life and live it all out for Christ. What does the world need today? What kind of men does the world need? What kind of men does your wife need and your kids need? men of courage, righteous men, men who have faith in God and in his word. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, bless these guys. Bless their new commitment. Bless these new converts. Bless these guys and their new walk with you. Bless them in Jesus' name. I pray they, they're going to begin to see and begin to move in great exploits for the kingdom of God because they have set themselves to constantly move forward in the things of God. I thank you for this today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, amen, and amen. Well, you know what? God bless you. Thank you for joining me today. Listen, live your life all out for Christ. Don't look back. Always keep moving forward, amen? God bless you.